live from Studio 3, this is Packaging Today with Emilio Matos, Adam and Corey Connors. Hey, what's up, everybody? We got uh, Halloween today in the U.S., so happy Halloween. We got um, Adam Peake in his uh, kangaroo costume. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I got my silver, costume and my wig on. Silver fox. Yeah, digging silver, the look, man. Silver kangaroo. I combed it. I put it on. I was like, I should comb my wig today. Because why not? You know what? I found out, though, at Pack Expo. I, I walked out, and I made a video about this. I walked out of the hotel, and I was staying where I could walk there, and my mm. head was cold. I was like, oh, I got the wig. A wig is a hat. <laughs> it's just a hat. It's all Multi-purpose. it is. Multi-purpose. Multi-purpose. Yeah. So I got to wear it over it's there. A, it just... We also got Corey Connors at Corrugated on the TikToks and yes. the YouTubes and everywhere. So host Sustainable Packaging Podcast. Good morning. Is that what your hair would really look like? What would your hair really look like? What, did you have yeah, curly this hair? This is a good question. Did you have I red hair? So, <laughs> okay. I, I did have pretty curly hair as a, as a kid. Wow, it was pretty. It was, it was, uh, it was beautiful. Uh, I had a mullet. <laughs> I would shave like I shaved the word shack into the side of my head once <laughs> I had steps. I get the Nike swoosh. I had all sorts of stuff. But yeah, so it was curly as it grew out, but it was like super flat up top. And mm. so I don't really know. And then I started losing my hair up top at about 26. And I went I call it the Andre Agassi principle. I don't know if you remember Andre Agassi was like. <laughs> He was like, image is everything. He had the beautiful flowing hair. And then he started yeah. going bald, and he's just like, F it. And he just shaved it. <laughs> That's what I went with. I, yeah. I actually shaved it at a youth camp. I was a speaker. I pretended to be Professor Xavier and uh, for a skit. And I, I came out with a shaved, a legit shaved head. And I just never, pretty much, never, never went, went back. back. Yeah. This is kind of close to what my hair would look like, though. Yeah. So you That's can imagine. Looks good, man. Very distinguished. <laughs> Yeah, digging, digging the look. Um, hard to get used to for sure. Yeah. All right, so what do we got going on today? Uh, if you're watching this, we'd love to know where you're watching from. We've got uh, we got Canada already. Um, I think they're saying it's it's also Halloween in Canada. Oh, that's right, that's right. Oh, oh. but that means that they're in Canada. Mm. Maybe, or they just have knowledge <laughs> of Canada that I have recently learned um, about about the entire uh, the entire country. In uh, of Canada, I know everything though because I've been right. There. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. He's an expert. So yeah, so I want to like cut through a bunch of stuff today because we got some. We got a great guest for you today with a ton of information. That's like just some mind blowing stuff. Um, we we want you to stick around. We got Ryan Fox coming up with some insane news. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the meantime, one Adam and I are launching a co-branded podcast um this week yeah yeah i'm sending the audio today which we're doing cool. it it's happening this week because we've yeah. said it. yes <laughs> we did uh we did an unboxing for gold fashion whiskey sunday's is, finest and it was yeah. really good it was, it was super cool it was i don't know i think we recorded at like seven o'clock in the morning and we ended up having you know, two or three <laughs> shots by the time we're done <laughs> The rest of my work day was a little rough. <laughs> yeah, it was good. It was good stuff, man. Breakfast whiskey. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I felt like I was eight again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like the old days. 
Um, cool, man. So, all right. So we, we typically do a uh, post of the week. We still don't have a post of the week jingle. So, oh man. Post of the week. That's Corey Connors and time for the post of the week. Dude, see? Nailed it. Nailed it. Mic drop. All right. If you did have, you know, if you didn't have your wig on, you could have like the little, like a little poof of hair here. And then you could have done the nailed it, like in living color. You know. Oh, yeah. Handed it. Love I did, that. by the way, shave my hair once specifically for a driver's license picture where I just left a little tuft of hair <laughs> and then I shaved all around it and I grew it out for like three months and it was really, it was really gross. I'll find the picture on my phone while we're going through the post of the week. That's a good one. Uh, post of the week, you know, I think, I don't know, it ties into your, your kangaroo costume. Oh, great. You know, Paul Focadiano's uh, coming in with the K leather post this morning, which just talks about, um, how some shoe brands are launching new sh- new shoes this, this uh, for you know for World Cup, and they boast this K leather plus some uh, upper rubber sole, you know, like all the different components of the shoes, and they kind of just slip in the K leather, and it's like, well, what is K leather? Well, K leather is kangaroo leather. Oh, you know, dang it! I'm sorry, buddy. I'll tell you, that's where you got that costume from. Yeah. Are, like, are people are people pushing back on this idea? Is it uh, or is it accepted because there's lots of kangaroos? Well, that's you know that's when I first saw it. That's the way that I felt was like, well, I don't know. I remember the. I, I'm not a big kangaroo expert, but I remember the uh, Crackdown right. D movie, right, where they talk about like they're over <laughs> overflowing with kangaroos, and people just go out there and and, and shoot them for overpopulation. Right. What's the extent of my kangaroo research? With we, my we need date. to send Adam to Australia, so then he'll be an expert. Yeah, I, I will go. I'll go uh, hang out with Pierre, the president of the World Packaging Organization, who lives in the Gold Coast of Canada, which is... A- I met him. Brilliant man. You met the president. Uh, by the way, this was my driver's license photo. Hang on. <laughs> That's what I... That was my photo. My driver's license right here. <laughs> I don't, uh, awesome. I don't I don't live in Colorado anymore, but that wasn't just like a random photo. That was my actual driver's license. Oh my god, that's hilarious. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh the other thing I did see is I think was was really interesting. There's a lot of stuff going on in uh, in AI right now. Um there's a there's a site. I've been going back and forth with with uh, a guy that does a ton of AI stuff um on this, which was something that he didn't see, but but is pretty mind blowing. He's like, how are they building this thing? Um one, it's called Interior AI, and Interior AI basically allows you to go into um, post pictures of your room into this website, hmm. and it'll oh, yeah. come back to you and give and you decorate it. Yeah. yeah, give you like multiple options. Awesome. And then there's Avatar AI, which is the same thing. So I'm going to share my screen here because this is leading to packaging. Yeah, where's AI. this going? Where's this going, Avelio? Yeah. It's an AI today. No, it's not. But it's leading to um, packaging. All right. You know, packaging AI, which is going to be nuts. Um, so let me share my screen here. Right. So this is um, this guy levels. Uh, he does levels IO. But it's basically... 
you know, you put your, you post your picture in here, you give it like 20 pictures. Uh, it, it's $30 yesterday. It was $10. Like he launched, he literally launched this yesterday and within 24 hours made, I think it was like, cause he's, he, he's building live. I think he made like $11,000 yesterday. So now he's tripled the price um, to continue growing this thing. But yeah, so you post like you post 20 pictures of yourself and then what happens is it'll come back to you with all these AI generated images that you can use as, as avatars. You can even get a six pack. Look at that. That's, that's all you got to do. <laughs> um, but, but interesting. Cause then he like built this as well, which was interior AI and it's the same thing, right? You post pictures of your room and it comes back and you, you, you put in different um, prompt words and it decorates your entire room. So, you know, all that to say, I've seen a few people using AI for packaging. Um, I've talked to a couple of different agencies that have built their own, you know, about a year or two ago um, where they put in die lines and it goes ahead and places like some core content in certain areas for them automatically. And it makes things a lot faster, but that's going to lead to like full AI packaging design pretty quickly here. Yeah. Uh, which I don't know, like as a designer at first, you're like, well, that's kind of scary. But then it's also like, well, that will make my job a lot easier. Right. Cause it's not, it's never, it's never great. What you get back is never amazing, but you can go in there and use that as a starting point. Yeah. Interesting. This was uh Jesus holds a cereal box in one. <laughs> See, that's the AI you're working on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that was one of them. So in case awesome. anyone wants wants images of that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think I think it would be really useful. I mean, not only from a design perspective, but also using it from a, from a proofing standpoint, mm -hmm. you know, being able to to quick turn stuff. I mean, there's a lot of things that have to happen in our world that people are not the best equipped to do. And it's OK that we're not right. best equipped to do that because yeah. let's go do things we're best equipped to do. Exactly. Like seems like an opportunity. Hey, when is this going to be AI? When are there just going to be AI packaging hosts? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Virtual Corey and virtual Adam coming well, if, live. Well, did you, well, um, we'll talk about this and we'll just jump to Ryan Fox in a second. Yeah. But did you hear the, um, the Joe Rogan, Steve Jobs interview? Oh, that was all done in AI. It was all AI. Yeah. yeah. Insane. And it was like a, it was like a real interview. Like he was asking real questions and you were getting real answers and Joe Rogan was not real. And Steve jobs, obviously dead. Um, Wait, what? But I mean, it, but it happened, you know, I think it was like two weeks ago that they, that they put that out there. Yeah. Um, amazing. So a completely AI podcast and it sounded, it sounded great. Yeah. Yeah. And Steve it's jobs great. was like, yeah, I love driving down the road. I love listening to your, ep to your episodes. And I love the banter. That it was like, it was like supernatural. It was not, it was supernatural. Hey. On Halloween. Hey. All right. But let's jump to our guest. So our guest. The Fox. Collects cardboard. What does he collect, Adam? BMCs. Yeah. He's yeah. the notorious BMC. Yeah. Yes. Bad mother corgates. Shut your mouth. <laughs> That's, that, we should start calling them that right now. Yeah. Mr. Ryan Fox, how are you, sir? Good, thanks. How are you guys doing? Awesome. Welcome, welcome. What's up, Ryan? So Ryan is a Bloomberg, Bloomberg analyst. intelligence. Yeah. Yes. Which is insane. The box man. 
Yes. He's got a he's got a similar history to somebody that's on the show. Post in the comments if you know who who he's basically a twin to. Yeah. Right. He went to Bible college. He's got lots of kids. Yeah. <laughs> sounds he went into packaging. Sounds weird. He went into packaging sales. What? That was corrugated. Yeah. That was corrugated. But oh, he's really well, tall. Yeah. And has hair. My child. Well, <laughs> my child is tall. <laughs> and I have hair today. Today. Look at this. We got fans already. Oh. Everybody's been waiting. Waiting right. Right back. Morning, George. <laughs> So, well, so for people who don't know, I work for Bloomberg yeah. Intelligence, and and I um I collect data on the industry, and we try to provide um data that's not that hasn't been available, and for the last uh, at least year, maybe two, industry data has not been widely available. It's it's only been made available every quarter. So we have some reporting that we do, and we collect data that gives people insights. They're forward looking every month. Uh, so it gives a, a one month forward looking snapshot and a three month forward looking snapshot about what might be coming. And what was really cool is our data showed really what was happening. We just got third quarter results in on Friday and our data was a leading indicator showing uh, kind of what we already, well, what we learned on Friday. So pretty, pretty neat stuff. Um, the industry has been finding its balance after coming out of the pandemic and all of the shopping that people were doing online. Yeah. So performance was down. Uh, I, I don't think that surprised a lot of people because it could only come down. Yeah. You know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a sustainable pace. If you were buying boxes during the pandemic, lead times were sometimes five, six, eight weeks, sometimes longer. And uh, so the industry has been finding that that sense of balance again. So what what goes up does come back down and we're seeing it come back down right now. And is it coming down to pre-pandemic levels or has it yeah. passed? Yeah. Further so so compared to 2019, it's it's down about a, like one percent. Um, nothing, oh, okay. nothing, nothing crazy. Um, but we we kind of knew that it was going to mm -hmm. regulate a little bit. So and the numbers we'll be you're watching that to, to see. Ryan, you're talking about production. Yeah, production and shipments or demand. Um, yeah, yeah. So box shipments is kind of one of the metrics that people pay attention to, and and so when you compare box shipments year over year, it was down about around four and a half percent year over year. But then when we compare it to 2019, it was down about eh, just under one percent. What, um, so what can you tell us in terms of, yeah, volumes, volumes coming down, but it's just, volumes come down our, right, so, um, so, so our reporting. Yeah. So our reporting, you know, we ask people what, what they think might happen in the next few months. And we anticipate that that trend to continue where, um, overall box demand is down on a 2019 level, maybe even a little bit lower than that. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's not news that people want to hear, but yeah. it's, it's just the news. No, it is. It is the news. Uh, so, Ryan, if when you say you're tracking like that kind of box demand, is it like is that is that strictly tied to like consumer facing like e-commerce or is this looking at even like B2B box demand is also anticipated to be down? 
or has been down? Yeah, all of the above. Okay. Um, so one of the things that if someone wants to get an idea of what's happening in e-commerce, um, we've, we've reported about this uh, last month, is that a good proxy for that is to look at UPS and FedEx and their average daily shipments. And, and they, were, they were all, they've been down. Mm -hmm. So we anticipate that e-commerce as a consumer of corrugated is probably also down. Got it. That not necessarily, sense. not unless you're like, oh my gosh, what's happening down, but yeah. down, you know, along. And that's a good point because a lot of people were predicting this massive decrease and, oh, the industry is going to decline and everybody jump ship. And, but what I'm hearing you say is a very nominal change in comparison to what people thought might happen. Well, so th it's, this is where, you know, industry reporting gets, um, you know, there's a lot of nuance. The first <laughs> half of this year was very strong. And, yes. and so if we were to look at other years when, you know, um, we just reported about this uh, last week where we can, we can go back and compare things to the Great Recession of 0809, that time period seemed to sync up more with the calendar year. And this time we're kind of hitting this mid-year. So... Mm -hmm syncing it up is going to be a little bit more difficult because of seasonality trends and things like that. But right. we're looking, I mean, this is still going to be a very good year, all things considered. I mean, it's not like it's fallen off of a cliff. It's just finding its balance. Yeah. Do you expect, um, I don't know if this is, this is part of the report or not, but as kind of that supply demand you know where where we had supply far outpacing no sorry demand far outpacing supply and now that's kind of that equilibrium is hitting is there any expectation that that pricing should also start to um not i mean it hasn't been growing near the pace it was but i know that the pulp and paper has been a tough one to you know to really track and you know i mean i we deal with it at myers both on the folding carton and the corrugate side is that also part of your report kind of your your forward looking that there should be some stabilization there or should we expect more fluctuations so <laughs> when when supply and demand become um out of Where's your crystal room? ball yeah, where's my crystal ball? It looks I'm like just, I'm, right I'm now. curious if as yeah. you're doing, I guess as you're doing the research, like obviously you can only talk about your published research. So like, sure. is there anything in the published published research that would that you you can report on, or is that just is it purely speculative still? Well, I th I think right now um, it is speculative, but there is data to to back up uh, some of the thoughts and feelings we have about what might happen in the pricing market. Um, it, it does not look good. I can say that. I, it, it's, um, you know, people in the industry know that, that prices are moving. Uh, how much are they moving? It, that, that is the question. And, and I don't know that anyone has a very clear answer to it. Right. But we, we do, ex I expect prices to come down in next year, but I can't tell you how much because I, I don't know. Yeah, it just it would seem to me on a very basic macroeconomic level that when demand decreases and supply is increases increasing that we should have pricing adjustments that are that are related to that where there's more competitive, yeah. you know, there's more competition, right? I mean, that's the whole point of of the free market is that you're going to have more people who are vying for 
the the customers, the converters and the box plants. And so therefore they're the, the power to negotiate should return instead of like, you'll get it when you get it, bud. All right. It's going to be there in six weeks, maybe seven, but <laughs> you're lucky you even could place an order with us. Now it seems like it's kind of shifting to like, Hey, we got, we got stuff you guys want. So, yeah. So it's the hard part right now is, is that um, while container board prices may come down and, and box prices might come down a, a little bit. Um, there are a lot of other prices and like costs that have not gone down right mm -hmm. right employee labor is yeah, not going away it's very very high um all of the costs that come along with employee freight. labor so yeah. insurance you know mm -hmm. freight freight is stabilized but it's still pretty high diesel prices have somewhat stabilized still very high um you know energy costs are still you know a, a factor not nearly yeah. like they are in europe but but there are a lot of things that are a bigger factor than they were kind of before the pandemic. And so that might influence how much or how little a price might move. Right. That's a great yeah. point. But I mean, if we look at the rest of the market beyond packaging, beyond Corgit, um, there's a lot of other areas where pricing should have come down, but you know, right. We're seeing, you know, record profits across mm -hmm. the board. Um, you know, that seems to be the trend. So, you know, I'd, I'd be interested to see if that's going to happen in, in this space as well, where if yeah, nobody true. brings their pricing down, they just keep, you know, pumping those, pumping those, uh, pumping their bags. Yeah. yeah. But, but at the end of the day though, I think we, we are in a bit of a different market than some of those other markets where you're seeing these record profits, where if you have capacity, there are mm -hmm. companies who are willing to say, okay, we were, we, we were making X over a period of years. And now in order to keep our capacity, we'll take Y, you know, and, and that you can't, you can't, price fix that right like that's just gonna like i don't i can't imagine that there's gonna be everyone is just gonna like hold the line like you know mill gibson and the patriot uh <laughs> that there there will be there will be companies yeah. who are like well we either hold the line or we shut down or we shut down and yeah, right. you know what i'm saying so and it's just and we, that was part of the data that came out this last week i mean we don't know fully yet but the amount of downtime that paper mills took was in incredibly large um wow. estimated i mean estimated somewhere near a million tons um which is a lot it's like 10 yeah. percent less than what they would normally have made wow so and it, yeah it was a it was a pretty big swing that way um, and that was that's 2021 through today well that was just in the third quarter okay so, you know, paper mills that make corrugated boxes make somewhere around 40 million tons of paper a year. And so they made a, about a million tons less in the third quarter. All right. And then you, you'd also, um, and then there's a lot more machines that are coming online. Correct. Yeah. We're adding another 5% capacity wow. uh, in the short, in the near future. So yes, that, that gap between what's available and what the demand is like it's going to grow and, and you're just and speaking of north north america right this is just, all north yeah just speaking of north america wow just your customers yeah. <laughs> <laughs> specifically just yours I'm, i wish yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah a million tons there's no there's no plans to manufacture corrugated fiberboard out of kangaroo skins correct <laughs> none not, that i know today. of okay okay good no but all right so <laughs> so we we were down a million in terms of production we're bringing on more machines which are gonna 
increased capacity at a point where we don't really need it. Um, we're having shortages in other areas. Dude, I went to the grocery store yesterday to buy cheese for making my kids some some snacks. I couldn't find cheese. And I'm like, what what on earth? I'm like, maybe they're, they're restocking. And I asked the guy and he's like, he's like, no, there's a cheese shortage. Wow. And, and I, I'm like, that's stupid. And, um, you know, I look up and yeah, there's a there's a cheese shortage. There's pet food shortages. There's all these different shortages that are happening. And a lot of it um, want is, is due to labor costs. Right. Um, and of course, uh, the drought. So like for dairy, I guess there's dairy darn dairy darn farms are uh, are shutting down because they they can't feed you know they can't feed this cattle to then produce all the different products they produce and then in terms of like the packaging they can't get packaging and if you're like for pet food um, they're moving all the all the packaging all the material to human consumption to human food versus to pet food so there's like no way to move this pet food around and it's like this crazy cascade of shortages some of which has a lot to do with the, with the packaging. Um, so it'll be interesting to see like how this this pans out. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. And I've heard the fuel costs are affecting the yeah. farmers, so they can't run their diesel tractors to make the feed for the animals. To you know, so it just yeah. do, 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 kind of slides down the hill, and all of a sudden, Avelio Matos can't find cheese in Arizona. I can't find cheese for my kids. It's crazy. It's uh, what a yeah. what a world we live in. But I heard you can things. milk your pets. So yeah, specifically cats. Yeah, I have nipples, yeah. Greg. <laughs> <laughs> also foxes, right, Ryan? Right. Yeah. Oh, hey. <laughs> easy, 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 easy. <laughs> so um, I do want to ask you, PCW. Can you talk about this post-consumer waste? Yeah, and. Corey, Adam, yeah. where does post-consumer waste come from? Consumers. It's, from, post, uh, it's post the consumers, and it's the waste. Who's the consumers. who's the consumer? So there's so I would say this this is so there's post-industrial, right? And mm-hmm. then there's post-consumer, and that the post-consumer waste is is coming from the recycling channels like in in a in a paperboard situation is coming through recycling channels a lot of it comes through document shredding from what i understand um and then also curbside consumer yeah. recycling along with stores that bail their own corrugate in the back of the store yeah that's, that's a huge percentage it. right ryan the store yeah so I like to, so Avila is teeing me up here. I like to use some, <laughs> some different language. So I, I like to talk about things as post-industrial. So like think manufacturing, uh, whether it be like an automotive parts or any other manufacturer, uh, even a box plant. There's post-commercial, which is going to be your, you know, your grocery stores and, and box stores and then post-residential. Mm. And and so when, when people think post-consumer, they don't understand that a grocery store or a box store, a box store is actually considered a consumer in that in that respect. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so drawing attention to the fact that there are differences in in kind of who the consumers are is important. And and for that matter, like ninety, uh, John Sacco is coming out with this amazing documentary on uh, the recycling business, and he says in his documentary that over ninety five percent of all recyclables come from commercial industrial. And in the corrugated world, 92% of all 
old corrugated cartons is coming from commercial industrial sectors. So that's 8%. We put all this em emphasis in, in recycling, but only 8% comes from the curbside. Right. Is that is that because of the amount that's getting curbside recycled is so much less than the amount that is going through like Costco? I mean, Costco and, you know, these, right. these big box retailers have a ton of corrugate that comes in there way more than the residential people do. Right. That's so. a that's a huge, huge part of it. Um, so. Big box stores create hundreds of thousands, if not millions of tons, depending on who the manufacturer or who the, the store is. And so they are incentivized to collect that stuff because they can sell it back. One of the things about something being recyclable is that there is an aftermarket for it. There's demand for the recycled product. It has right. a market value. Must and old corrugated cartons for a long time had a very good market value. So a company fill in the blank grocery store could collect that stuff and sell it and generate revenue on basically on the trash that they were um, manufacturing. So that's great from a consumer set, from a residential standpoint, you know, I don't, I don't live in city limits, so I don't have curbside recycling and therefore I have to pay for it. And me being the data nerd that I am, I would be paying somewhere around 1300 to $1,500 a ton for them to come pick it up. And that's something wow. that isn't worth, but, 150 or 200 dollars a ton for most of it sometimes even less than that occ right now is at a very low point i think it's around 40 dollars a ton now so low that it it's going to be going to the landfill there's a lot that's going to go to the landfill now it's too bad interesting so it costs just as much or more to recycle it than it does to collect it to sell it And what do we see in, uh, in Texas? There's a oh, so, well, so yeah. So, uh, you know, we, we recently did a report about, um, what the recycling rate really was around corrugated boxes. And for a long time, the industry has been, you know, banging their drum that says the, the recycling rate for corrugated boxes was somewhere around 90%, maybe even higher than 90%. Yeah. And it's one thing when you call it a rate because a rate is just a comparison of two different figures. There's a numerator and there's a denominator. Is so you can compare what the collections are to uh, the, a denominator, which is supply. Well, the funny thing about that is, is you know we import a lot of goods. We're almost 26 million TEUs, so containers, 20 foot equivalent containers that came into the U.S. just last year, and many of those contained already packaged consumer goods. So those, those goods that come into the country are collected and we count them in the numerator, but we don't count them in the denominator. So it mm. gives an artificially high figure. Well, also flat corrugated. Some, some, sometimes, actual, yeah, some yeah. people are buying corrugated still from import. Yeah. 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 Canada. Wait, no, that was, sorry. <laughs> Canadians. Um, they don't celebrate so, Halloween. So we we <laughs> we did the work to try to approximate how much corrugated was coming into the country so that we could put it in the denominator and get an idea, or at least a better idea of what a true recycling rate was. Because what we were finding was um, as we look, so states and municipalities will often conduct something called a, a waste characterization study. And they pay these these firms to come in and sort garbage. I mean, we're talking like they sort, they sort thousands of tons of garbage. 
and then they extrapolate the data to say, okay, well, if, if every day were like this, which they have a lot of um, data to suggest that it's probably a lot like that many days, then if, if this is what we would see, then this is the, the result. And for instance, like in Texas, there were over, over 2 million tons of, of OCC in their landfills last year. Florida was very similar. And so you start looking and you start, you know, realizing that we don't do a very good job collecting. Um, we don't do a good job from the curbside. From the curbside, it's about 32 to 40%. Again, these, a lot of the stuff is estimations. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's not like, oh, yeah, this is a firm number because we really, we, we don't know. Um, but we have a pretty good idea that, you know, from the curbside, we, we get about 30, 30 to 40%. But then what, what's really lacking is like when you go to a construction site and there's you know, construction demolition, you know, somebody's building a new house. Recycling doesn't really happen well yeah. <laughs> at, at a construction site. So right. all of those dumpsters are full of corrugated. Well, not like completely full, but, yeah. but you start seeing things like that. And you see um, strip malls. You know, there's, there might be a dumpster in the, in the back of a strip mall that's, you know, a regular dumpster for trash. And then there's a, a corrugated dumpster with a, a little slot in it. And how many times do people just rush and throw their boxes in the regular dumpster? Often. Yeah. yeah. So that's interesting. And yeah, I not... would imagine, I, I was thinking about the similar thing with some of the, on the opposite end, some of the, like the plastic percentage of recycling where it's like, you know, we only recycle 8% of like all plastic. And it's like, well, yeah, you're. I think that the the numerator, no, the denominator is off because it's like all plastic ever manufactured, not like plastic that can be recycled, right? So not packaging, uh, right? It's yeah. So you know, I, I think that you're right. Like those ratios, the numbers can can easily be skewed based on whatever the narrative is that you're trying to push. Um, right. And so you know, kudos to to you for saying like, I don't have a narrative. And this is why I think a lot of people should connect and follow you that really mm -hmm. care about this industry because your narrative is like, we really want to get down to the truth for the industry so that we can start making better decisions. If everyone's just like, everything gets recycled, all core get, gets recycled, it's yeah. great. That's not helpful when you're right. like, mm, yeah. That's yeah. Well, made. that's what, that's where we end up with. Like when you walk into a Costco and they've eliminated all their plastic and now they're doing you know, double walled corrugate boxes to display everything. It's like, well, did we really improve the situation here? Yeah. Well, so I put that picture up a couple of weeks ago and, and it was not a for or against paper packaging. It was just an observation because there were a lot of things that had to happen to facilitate that. I mean, equipment processes, mm -hmm. um, people buying yeah. different things. Very true. You know, and I think I think personally, there are times when plastic packaging is a better choice than corrugated. Don't don't kill me, but wow, hey, yeah, <laughs> yes. you heard, you heard it here first. <laughs> you heard let's, it here clip first. That. let's clip that and put it all over social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah let's yeah. let's do it. Um, you heard it here first. Yeah. There are limitations, and yeah. and so we just have to acknowledge those limitations. And and corrugated packaging does a phenomenal job. It gives people some some very cool opportunities is it the is it the right solution all the time and i i would personally say i don't think it is yeah, yeah. now i don't know about the apple situation i didn't do the study to figure out the life cycle assessments and all that I, that's 
outside of my scope, but yeah, we got, um, we got Alexandra here commenting. I think the most important thing is to make it model material. So it all can be recycled. Um, what say you, Ryan Fox? That sure helps. Yeah. What do you say yeah, here? I, I think that's one of the best parts about using a corrugated yeah. substance is that it is highly recyclable. Um, you know, a lot of these mills do have some some pretty advanced uh, mm -hmm. screening technology. So even if there is some contamination or that, you know, there's you got to think all of these mills screen out things like tape and staples and mm -hmm. um, you know other we'll say contaminants. So it, it's a it's a great and highly recyclable substance. So, Brian, are you seeing more access for consumers curbside recycling? Is it is it so access is really the wrong, it's really the wrong conversation, right? Because access is kind of one of those things like, I mean, I, te I technically do have access, right? While I don't have it, but you don't I could want certainly it go, I could certainly expensive. go pay for it, but I'm paying $20 a month to get something that my, when I take my kids to school, they have a drop-off facility and I'm there yeah. five days a week. So I just drop off when I, when I go get the kids. So I think access is really the wrong conversation. I think the, the conversation needs to be steered towards how do we get people to properly recycle? Um, so whether you have curbside or not, how do we, how do we start influencing that, that better um, capture? Well, maybe it is access. Maybe it's equitable access and not this skewed cost where uh, it's too expensive for certain areas and it's, and it's really inexpensive for some areas. Uh, yeah, maybe it does need to be a, a level playing field for all, uh, and I know that's incredibly difficult. Well, I was at a I was at a recycling conference uh, not too long ago, and I I pitched my pie in the sky idea <laughs> <laughs> about you know every ever since my kids have been in school, every year we get um, we get a, a, a seasonal um, uh, fundraisers. Kids come home. Hey, we need you to sell this thing. We need you to sell that thing. Whatever. Well, could could we privatize recycling at the school level so that I could send yeah. my kids to school with a couple pieces of recyclables? We could train them while they're in kindergarten through sixth grade to properly yeah. sort, you know, bring their clean recyclables, and then their school could, could process those and sell them, and and generate revenue. Now I yeah, understand it's pie, it's pie in the sky, like <laughs> it's. It's kind I'm, of utopian. I'm, I'm trying yeah. to think around which direction, um, you know, how somebody's going to uh, interpret that and, and twist it into something terrible. But you know, they'd be, you know, are we indoctrinating kids to be recyclable, to be recyclers? <laughs> to be, um, yeah, we, we, we need to be doing that. We need to be training our kids how to take care of the planet. Yeah, yeah, but not to be recycled. Uh, no, don't recycle your children. That would no, be no, no, that's a bad idea. No. So as we start, as we start wrapping up here, because. You've got a ton of info. I'd love to have you back on. Um, so you, what are you working on today? What's like this next, yeah. can you tell us what you're working on for your next uh, post? So um, yeah. So following the OCC recycling mm -hmm. thing, I'm, I'm trying to put together, I'll say a quasi comprehensive, uh, where do we stand with extended producer responsibility? Uh, right now there are 21 out of 50 states that have either passed or have that legislation on their books. So that's 42% of the country is moving in that direction. So what does that mean? Uh, what does it mean state by state? What does it mean for the people who manufacture packaging? What does it mean for brands who consume it? Is there some high level takeaways that we can just start tracking now? 
and then you know kind of point you in the right right direction for each state to say okay this is what it's going to mean in this particular state okay yeah that'd be awesome you know i know you know there's uh but California has got some some new laws going in by 2026, right? 50%. Yeah. I mean, think about this. For, PCR. Yeah. So wow. paper packaging in California right now is supposed to be uh, 50% PCR. Well, um, how do you measure that? Right. Yeah. How, how do they hold those brands accountable to that? They can't. Yeah, we, yeah. we were yeah. at, I was up at, with, uh, with George at the AICC Canada event, and there was somebody who uh, presented there. Uh, and they said, you know, corrugated, we believe can be recycled, you know, up to 25 times. And I was like, that's great. How do we, how do we know? I mean, how do I know how many times this, it's like yeah. the traceability of some of these things is, is tough. So yeah, it's, it's a, that's such a great point. I'm, I'm looking forward to that article. I'm glad people smarter than me. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Uh, <laughs> are writing it. Yeah. And then, so you do two publications a month. Yeah. So, um, so in the middle of the month, we, we track something that's uh, kind of market related to mm -hmm. the corrugated packaging space. So OCC recycling would be one, uh, extended producer responsibilities coming up. Uh, Perfect. We've done a number of different things, employment. Um, and then at the end of the month, we do a market report and kind of help under people understand what's going on in the marketplace from a supply and demand and pricing standpoint. Okay. Awesome. So if anybody's out there, if you're a box buyer, a producer, um, you know, you can definitely subscribe to it's the green markets report on Bloomberg. Um, I'll put a link in the comments because it's a wonky link and you have to use the exact <laughs> capitalization in order for it to work. You know, Bloomberg can do a lot of stuff, but they can't do good links. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a capital B capital O lowercase X. I don't know. Um, catch a niner in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Ryan, man, I appreciate you being on here. This was awesome. Yeah. Um, Thanks, I definitely recommend that people go to the link, um, connect with Ryan and yep. get these reports. Cause I mean, they're, they're in depth and there's so much information there. Uh, next time I'd love to kind of touch on, um, this article that we saw on uh, TerraCycle and the amount of plastic waste that they're collecting in their backyard. Um, I know this was, uh, this was one of your, uh, partners in crime at Bloomberg that wrote this. So yeah. we want to get uh, we want to get the skinny on it. Let's okay. do it. All right, guys, I appreciate it. Uh, we've had a lot of interaction here, uh, Ryan. If you get a chance, if you can go through some of the comments as well afterwards and and answer. Uh, yeah. I did love Hugh's comment um, that your crystal ball is on back order because of supply chain issues. Yes, <laughs> Hugh coming in with the well played. Uh, the coming in hot, Hugh. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much for joining. Uh, like I said, keep commenting. Um, the four of us will check it out and and answer anything we got. Uh, we can help you with. All right, there goes K Leather. And happy out, Halloween. Guys. That's right. Stay Except safe. in Canada. All right, guys. <laughs> we'll see you. Live from Studio Three. This is Packaging Today with Emilio Matos.